Blog Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Sergei Grasher-Kolov, listening uh, back uh, Culture Radio. It is time for another installment of The Ruckus, brought to you by the Bad Culture Radio Network. I'm your host, Deandra LaBeouf. Of course, as always, creator of BadCulture.net. I'm joined by Ryan Bivens, a.k.a. Mr. Sweet Boxing, and also sitting in with us this week, Ismail Abdusalam from Beatboxing Mayhem and YK Loyalist. You know, the usual suspects. You know these guys. They're with me a lot. Uh, tonight we got a great show ahead of us. We have uh, former WBO welterweight champ Tim Bradley, who's uh, joining us at about 7.30 to talk about his upcoming match with uh, Diego Chavez and where he feels he's at at this point in the career, in his career, and what he needs to do to get back on top. We're going to recap the weekend's fight, of course, capped off by Sergey Kovalev, as you heard at the intro, defeated Bernard Hopkins to unify the light heavyweight title. We'll talk uh, about the other card happening on NBC Sportsnet. Amir Mansoor just making absolute mincemeat of uh, Cassie on Saturday night. We'll talk about fights coming up this weekend, take some uh, questions from the Twitter followers. We're also going to be joined by uh, rapper Hassan Salam. has a great nexus with uh, boxing, an avid boxer himself in addition to the music he does. So just a little smackling of what we'll talk about and, you know, what's happening out in these boxing streets. So we'll get into that over the course of these next two hours. These two hours never seem like enough time as these shows go on each week. So let me bring the guys in now. Uh, I'll start with uh, Ryan Bivens, my, my right hand. What's going on, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> what was that? Hello? I'm, I'm struggling. Oh, no. You must have been sparring again today, but we're going to give you a pass. <laughs> All right. So we'll, 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 we'll take it over to the other part of the East Coast. It's my Abdul Salam. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Glad to be here. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna need y'all to get up and do some jump. Well, maybe not Ryan, but I need. I want to get some jumping jacks. I need. I, I need some energy. I need some zest, some fight. Get the people popping. Get some some hypeness. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too hype. I got work going on at my house right now. We know I'm the queen of background sounds that aren't supposed to be part of the show. So we got uh-huh. people sawing and buzzing. I'm probably high on wood fumes right now, but hey, a little huffing never hurt anybody if it's uh, part of the grand scheme. So let's talk about these fights. Oh, where to begin? Uh, let me just start by saying this. You know, we do our predictions on these shows. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we don't get it right. It's conjecture. It's opinions. It's like assholes. We all have one. I would like to take this opportunity to speak to Brandon Stubbs, our other co-host of the show, who says that he's going to call into the show and pretty much give us a light, a lightweight ether because we didn't predict the fight correctly. 
He did not predict the fight correctly either, so he may not call into the show and ether us. He said that Kovalev was going to knock Hopkins out in about round five or six. I wish I would have had some time to go back in the show and, and get a little sound bite. You could call in the show, Brandon, but you didn't, you didn't predict the fight. You didn't predict the fight right either because the old man went all 12. The old man went all 12. And uh, longer than any other opponent Kovalev has had thus far. So, But we'll get into that. It's a good segue into the show. Let's talk about the fight. Ryan, of course, that's probably why he's dragging. Ryan been having a hard few days. Went all the way to AT and came back the same night. Been writing, been fighting. Probably been walking old ladies across the street for all we know. Tough out there. So let's start. I'll start with Ismael. We'll talk about uh, the main event, Bernard Hopkins, Sergey Kovalev. We now have a new unified light heavyweight champion. What were your – did you feel that Bernard Hopkins fought his fight or was Kovalev just that effective in taking him out of his normal fight game completely? Uh, I think Hopkins was trying to fight his fight. He just needed Kovalev to be a little bit more reckless and aggressive, which he wasn't. Um, he fought really good at mid-range. He made Hopkins, you know, have to lead. And he was precise enough with his punches that when Hopkins did lead, he was able to catch him a few times. And really, I think the tear be Hopkins just kind of rushing in like he normally does. When he tried to in the first round, he got clipped with that right hand that dropped him. And I think that changed the complexity of the fight as far as Hopkins' aggression. Um, I got to give the old man credit. You know, he got hit with some really solid punches and he was still able to, you know, remain upright. I think he fought the best fight he could fight at this stage of his career. You know, I said during that uh, fight, it would have been nice if we could have, you know, took the B-hop from, let's say, the Tarver fight and put him in there. It would have been a lot more interesting. But at this stage, you know, he's finally slipped enough where the young guys can catch up with him. Not just any young guys. You know, you got to give Kovalev a lot of credit. He basically had the perfect game plan against him. Bernard Hopkins prides himself on being a thinking fighter. You know, he doesn't back down from a challenge, but in the same respect, we are used to the Bernard Hopkins that clenches and balls and headbutts and does the things he needs to get done to win a fight. We saw Kovalev stick to the outside of the fight, you know, using his reach to work his way in. Do you think that Hopkins abandoned his fight plan after tasting that power in round one? Or was it, what what was the source of abandonment? Was it more fear or just Kovalev just wouldn't allow him to do what he wanted to do? You know, I've heard that a lot as far as, you know, Hopkins fought to survive, things like that. But it's like, you got to look at, you know, Hopkins' pedigree. You know, he's been a pro over, you know, 20 years, over 20 years. He's seen everything that's possibly to be seen in the ring. So I really don't buy that whole thing about him being scared, you know, of Kovalev's power or anything like that. I do think he wasn't stupid and he wasn't reckless. You know, after what happened in that first round, he wasn't going to let that happen again. And he knew he couldn't sit there and trade with him. So he tried to go in him into coming in a little bit more. He did try and exchange when it was to his benefit in small pockets. Um, I think he was hoping that when he was able to land, you know, those lead rights and some of those lead left hooks, that that would make Kovalev kind of get out of his game plan, get more aggressive, try and come in. But for the most part, he stayed composed. You know, when he did get clipped those two times, he didn't get, you know, out of sorts, still stuck with it. And, that's, you know, we knew Hopkins wasn't going to knock him out. So it's really his only chance was hoping Kovalev got too caught up in the moment when he did get hit with those punches and he didn't. 
you know, so I think by about the seventh or eighth round, we kind of knew what it was going to be. You know, Hopkins is not a, a knockout puncher. You know, he hasn't had a knockout in 10 years. So the writing was on the wall, but I never, ever got the impression throughout the whole fight that he ever just gave up, that he was just there knowing, okay, I just want to go the distance. I never got that impression from the way he was fighting. Ryan, you were there ringside, of course, for the fight, and you are, I can say with ease, I would call you an expert on boxing history and knowledge, specifically fighters who are from your area. Looking at Bernard Hopkins that we saw in the ring on Saturday night, where do you rate his performance amongst it? Rank his performance against bouts he's lost in his career. Where does this rank in losses he suffered in his career? Oh, this was definitely his most, you know, dominant loss. Um, he's, He's never lost this bad before, not even uh, to Roy Jones. That was when Roy Jones was, like, at the peak of his career. So, yeah, this is um, – it was it was, it was was impressive. I mean, I, I got to say, like, even if – I mean, I know some, some people did predict COVID would win the decision, but nobody predicted he would win, you know, every second of, like, every – well, not every second, but almost every second of every round. I mean, he won every round. Like, Hopkins – he had very, very few moments in the entire fight. It was, it was a complete whitewash. Um, and Sergey, Sergey deserves all the credit in the world for that. Mm-hmm. With, as you watched Kovalev with this destruction of Bernard Hopkins, how did this Kovalev match up against the other top? of the, like, heavyweight division? Well, you got to put them at the very top. Like, I don't think anybody, well, at least yeah, nobody I, I met at the fight thought uh, Adonis Stevenson should rate under him. But, uh, you know, Adonis is, you know, he's a lineal champion, um, if you believe in that kind of stuff. I don't really. Um, but, uh, you know, so there's that. And, uh, you know, Kovalev, anyway, Kovalev has to be to be undisputed. Let's just put it that way. Okay, um, still near. All roads still lead to a Don Stevenson if um, you got to be undisputed champion. But um, I don't know if Kovalev gets there first um, among people that actually might have a chance to beat Stevenson. I'm thinking that Pascal fight actually happens. In your, in your opinion, will we ever even see the Stevenson bout? You know, it's become par for the course now to have these fighters jump networks, managers, you know, talking them out of possible big money matches. Now with Kovalev just dismantling Bernard Hopkins like that, who do you think gets the Stevenson fight first? Hopkins, if he doesn't retire, or will Kovalev get the fight? Um, I think Stevenson would be kind of a, uh, what do you say? He would, it would be bad for him if Stevenson took a fight with Hopkins. And, you know, if I'm Hopkins, you know, what what else is there left to prove? I don't think he can beat uh, Stevenson. Like, you know, I mean, Roy Jones on the broadcast, I know, said he had a good chance. And, um, you know, Kovalev said, you know, Hopkins is still the second best in the world, but he wouldn't beat Stevenson. The the footwork is just not there anymore. I mean, Kovalev had faster feet than B-Hop. He was able to, you know, jump in and out before B-Hop could get off a counter shot. Okay, and I know Kovalev's footwork is underrated, guaranteed. Like I, I didn't even know he could he could move his feet that well. But 
the <laughs> no way, no how supposed to be better than the B hops. So, I mean, and we and we already know that uh, Stevenson has you know really fast feet and you know explosive explosive uh, hand speed too, which and Kovalev's hand speed was even faster than B hops on this night. So, I, I I'm not seeing anything that B hop could do to Stevenson to to beat him uh, at 50 years of age. So. I gotta say Stevenson is at least the second best light heavyweight in the world. Um, I mean, he knows he would be the favorite to beat Behop. Of, I mean, is there some money in it? Of, you know, maybe. I mean, if they do it in Canada, you know, it's, it's always gonna be some money in it because you know Canadians, you know, like pretty much anything. Lucian Boutte can fight um can fight me and probably sell twenty thousand tickets in Canada. So, <laughs> Boutte Bivens, Boutte Bivens, 2006. Boutte Bivens. <laughs> so you know, um, I definitely think it could happen, but um, yeah, you know, he would, he would, you know, people already call him a duck now. If he fought Hopkins before, you know, Kovalev, people would man really, really rip him apart. So I think he's better off fighting a guy like Pascal. So now, okay, now let's look at them. Let's look at the the light heavyweight landscape. You've got Kovalev, the unified champion. You've got Stevenson, the lineal champion. Looking at the and then Pascal, who Stevenson will likely fight next. You know, the battle of candidates kind of thing. Looking at the rest of the division, what is their left? How does Kovalev keep himself relevant? Is he going to fall into the same trap of Gennady, as Gennady Golovkin, where you just basically have? You can run through all these guys, and there's really not a big fight within the top of the division that would be a compelling enough fight, I guess, for HBO. Or is you know, or is HBO just on the bandwagon so that you know, just put them in a ring with anyone. It doesn't matter. Put them in with Rod Falca, and it's all good. You know what happens to Kovalev's legacy now? After let's say you know he gets. Stevenson after Stevenson fights Pascal. I mean, what's left after that? Does he stay at light heavyweight? Does he move yeah. up? Because anything, anything else, anything else would kind of diminish his legacy. He, he stays light heavyweight, and um, they they launch a, a massive trolling campaign to get Andre Ward to, to step up to the weight class. And mm. uh, that, that's that's pretty much got to be their um, their goal from here on. Because when I when I caught up with John David Jackson after the uh, post fight press conference, he says, you know, there, there's nowhere else for Ward to go. And um, I mean, he's already cleaned out 168. Um, he says, uh, you know, Triple G's not going to fire him. Um, which I, I also believe. I don't think HBO makes that fight. So you know what what else is there for Andre Ward to do? You know, besides leave HBO, which is entirely possible, <laughs> I can see I, I can see yeah. more leaving HBO in a heartbeat. Assuming he doesn't, um, this is this has got to be you know uh, Team Kovalev and HBO's play to to make that fight happen. Honestly, I don't just dis- I don't disagree with you in the slightest. I mean, we look at Ward's last outing against Edwin Rodriguez. They put the fight in Ontario. They didn't put the fight in Oakland. You know, less than stellar ratings. He doesn't want to travel as a champion. He doesn't want to go over across the seas to fight Carl Frotch. Or, I mean, they could be in talks for Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fight. Can he make 168? I don't know. But outside of that, he could go over to Showtime, sign without Heyman. We still don't know what the fallout is going to be with this uh, thing with Goosen. 
since uh, rest in peace Dan Goofin. We don't know what the outcome of that is at this point. He could jump ship easily. He fought on Showtime before when he did the Super 6. That was on Showtime. I don't know. I think you're right. I think we're going to see Andre Ward that's going to go over to Greener Pasture because they'll just as easily put him on the desk over there too. Maybe much to Polly Malinaji's dis- dismay, but they could easily put him on the desk over there too. He is a knowledgeable boxing fan. If he's knowledgeable enough to call fights on HBO, he's knowledgeable enough to do it on Showtime. Yeah, but um, what 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 the guy said to me, I think um, last week was it, I, I thought it was hilarious. Um, he said uh, Showtime doesn't need any more commentators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do got a grip of them. Non-fighting commentator. Wait, well, yeah, because we got we got Paul, we got Danny Jacobs. I mean, in general, Showtime does have a pretty extensive, you know, broadcast team. Like, when they have their their championship cards, they have, like, you know, five, six guys on at the same time, you know, calling yep. the fights. They, they run deep over at Showtime. Shoot, we should, do a broad, we should do a broadcast on fight nights and call a fight while we're doing a show. I mean, hell, we have about 18 people when we do the round table anyway. Why not? You know, that might be fun. We should try that one time. If Well, no, Ryan, you get all in your left brain thing. You probably wouldn't be down for that. But for the rest of us, maybe maybe we'll try it. It might be kind of fun. I'd be very interested in listening to your running commentary on a fight night. You know, Ismael and I have gone to fights in Vegas and sat near each other, like for the Fox Sports card. So I kind of got an idea of what a fight night is talking to him. But, you know, I've never done a, a legit live fight night with you off Twitter, so we might have to have to try a little social experiment to do that. It might be cool. Let's go. Uh, so Bernard Hopkins, you know, the final word. We'll probably talk about it a little more in the show just in case people tweet us questions or have other thoughts about the, the fight card. I saw a video today that surfaced that said uh, Hopkins was back in the gym the next day working out. Is it – I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? Do you think we see B Hop announce his retirement, or and you know he's just in the gym working out just because that's his lifestyle, or does he fight again? I think he fights again because he's so close to officially being fifty, and it's you know might as well take one fight, at, you know, just to say he did because it means it's just like such an official landmark to to do, and you know that there's there's always a super middleweight division. Because, you know, at, during the post-fight push, he said he, was, he felt like a middleweight or a super middleweight in there with a the cruiserweight. So, I mean, he's really thinking about moving down to weight. You know, he's never fought at 168 before. Um, so that's, you know, that, that that's another, uh, you know, trinket, you know, he could add to his uh, legacy. Because I think, WBA honestly, it, it is a, a, a winnable fight and big fight um, for him to face a guy like um, Carl Froch. He could fight Frost. He could fight. He could fight Abraham too. I, I think he definitely yeah, beat Arthur Abraham. Abraham. What about Anthony Durrell? No, no, he, he's, uh, and, and no way should he fight Anthony Durrell. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's that's a bad idea. I mean, because I mean, there's just it's a difficult style for him to fight. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, it's no, like, benefit. And Ben Durrell, you know, it doesn't have a name or anything. It, bad style matchup, you know, not a guy who's who's accomplished. You know, avoid that fight. And obviously avoid Andre Ward, who is a younger version of him in many ways. Mm-hmm. That fight, if he fought Anthony Durrell, 
it would be headbutt, 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 clinch, headbutt, 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 clinch. That would be, you know, that would go about three rounds before everybody's blood was all over the canvas. If they had that fight, I would want Jack Reese to call it again just so he could tell you guys are looking like shit out here. Just so I could hear that again on uh, live TV. Ismail, what do you think? After this, do we think, does B-Hop fight again? Does B-Hop retire? He definitely fights again. He's a very prideful man, and just like Ryan was saying, he doesn't want to go out with this type of loss. So at least one more fight, hopefully a very winnable fight. Um, I think we all own at least that. You know, he's had a great, great career. Should always try and go out on a high note if he can. But I welcome it. You know, it'd be as long as it's something that um, isn't too dangerous, like we were talking about, like no Stevenson or anybody like that, which I don't think he would do. You know, I have no problems with it. Excellent. It's rare that you Excellent. get to see kind of a farewell fight, you know, on a on a on some good terms, you know. You know, we got one with uh Julio Cesar Chavez years after it should have happened. So this is actually something where, you know, a guy is so got his faculties, hasn't really taken massive beatings in the ring. So it would be good. And just one more thing we forgot to talk about. That last round, I'm not sure about you guys, I was on my knees praying that he actually see the final bell because that last 30 seconds, it was very close to look like the ref might jump in. So I'm glad the ref didn't because there would have been some refs that might have called that fight off, which I think would have been a disservice to be hot. So I'm glad he was able to actually get through that last round. Yeah, yeah that, that would have definitely been a black eye, for lack of a better term. The fight got stopped that just that close to the end. It it was getting there though. It was it was close. It was it was it was it was kind of looking like um, um, Steve Forbes, Kareem Mayfield when they stopped that fight because that didn't need to be stopped. And, right. And that was pretty much the only thing Steve Forbes had left going for his legacy. You know, and nobody stopped me. And uh, yeah, now now he has to live with Kareem Mayfield doing doing it, which is. <laughs> I mean, Kareem Mayfield isn't a terrible guy, but. I mean, come on. Yeah. Steve yeah. Forbes deserved better. Yeah. You know, shout out to the it's so, it's so, so Shane Mosley, too. Shane Mosley got, uh, you know, let, let's not get into that. Because uh, uh, <laughs> I've been trolled by Anthony Mundine fans a lot lately. <laughs> hey, that's your, the, the Mundine fans are trolling you. Don't say no. You all team Mundine. What's up with that? Well, or, or did you stop being Team Undine after he got uh, that work from uh, from the one kid, from Claudy? Claudy. You Team Claudy? I, I was, I was, you know, I'm, I'm not really Team either guy, um, but um, <laughs> I've, but I've been a fan of both guys in the past. Um, but you know, there, there's things that they do that um, sometimes rub off on me the wrong way. Mm. Well, tell me this, you know, we got six minutes to kill before we get into uh, Tim Bradley, and I don't want to start on another lengthy topic and a stop in the middle of it. Although I know probably one answer, who do you like, Ryan? Give me three fighters that you like now. Not why, not why you like them, just three fighters. And then, Ismael, I want you to give me your three. Don't tell me why you like them. I'll get into that later. Three Wait, fighters uh, you are, like. Are, are they allowed to be from Philadelphia? <laughs> I don't care where they're from. I already know Unthanked May is one of them. <laughs> who, are, who are the other two? Who are the other two? Uh, yeah, so I, I might as well just lift off my gym mates then. Uh, <laughs> uh, Damon Allen Jr., um, Naeem Nelson. There you go. There's three. 
You see, I already see Ryan. I pay attention. I know what's up. Ismail, three fighters, current fighters that you like. Three current fighters. Uh, Roman Gonzalez. Uh, Floyd Mayweather. And I'm going to say Victor Archinian, even though he probably might not be active anymore, but I'm going to throw him in there anyway. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Ryan, I for, yeah, I, 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 I forgot Vic was still fighting. Yeah, well, after that after that last fight, that might be the end of him, but... You know, well, you know, I, I just thought that, um, that uh, you know, um, what's-his-name also got that work. He, he might feel better about himself. Yeah, yeah. You know, for a while he was talking about going into MMA. I'm glad he didn't do that either. Yeah, that Ricardo Mayorga experiment in MMA was, was just dreadful. <laughs> okay. All right, well, you got you to give this? us your three. Three current fighters that I like to see fight right now. Mm-hmm. I don't like anyone. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I like... I like Tyson Fury just for the entertainment factor. I know that I'm going to be entertained anytime I see Tyson Fury fight, whether it's in the ring or in the post-fight interview. So I like Tyson Fury. I also like to see... Hmm, I want to see some more of... Hmm, I always like to see Miguel Cotto. I wouldn't call myself like a fan like Stubb, but I do enjoy watching a Cotto fight. So I like Cotto. Yeah, but that's for the wrong reason. Uh, 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 <laughs> hey, hey. We're we not going to get into all that. We just like to see them in the ring. We didn't say why, remember? These are not why questions. And I also like to see... One more, one more fighter I like to see. Mm. Oh, I like to see Keith Thurman because I'm just curious to what he's going to become. And I'm always interested, and I hate when something some, something happens to prevent us from seeing him in an all-out dog. The last fight he just had where, you know, it was done in like two. I feel cheated. So those are three fighters that I like to see in the ring. Leave me alone about my Kodo selection. We know my Kodo selection is well documented. Thank you very much. Thirst. So those are, yeah, well, hey, I am a woman, and I have good taste, too. I don't think anybody would question my taste. So those are three fighters that I like to see. In terms of fighters, if you could vote one fighter out of the landscape right now, give me that one fighter you want to vote out. Yes, Mayo. You mean just remove from boxing? Just take him out. Not kill uh, him, but you don't want to see his ass in a ring no more. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to think about that too hard. First person that popped in my mind, Brandon would appreciate, would be Victor Ortiz. <laughs> okay. Ryan? Yes, Hmm. There's so many good answers here. Like, I definitely got to go with somebody that's, that's stuck around so long that you, you really question whether or not they're going to, how their lives are going to end well, you know, those, those kind of cases. So, 
It's tough, tough to pinpoint a a single worst case of this, but hell, I'll, I'll go with uh, Danny Williams. Whoa, whoa, he's still fighting. Oh, yes. Man. Oh God. In that case, I have an honorable mention. <laughs> okay. Uh, we forgot about our boy uh, Michael Cassidis. He needs to sit down. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely him too. So I, I hope this is the last time we see but him. Like, at, least, <clears throat> in like, the at least, at least Michael Cassidis, if he fights the the bottom level of opposition, he he'll still mm-hmm. win. But a mm-hmm. guy like Danny Williams is, is fighting the bottom level of opposition and he loses, like sometimes by knockout. Right. So that that's. I mean, but the thing about him is, you know, people don't even know he's fighting because, you know, these fights don't make TV. But, yeah, his last fight was um, in the end of October. He got knocked out in the second round by a guy with five fights. He must, his losses must be in the 20s by now, right? Oh, yeah, he has 24 losses, 12 by knockout. Oh, man. And, by the way, for people that don't know Danny Williams, this was the guy to upset Mike Tyson. Back in 2004. And that earned him a shot against the uh, tally. yeah. It was sort of a horrible beating. This is 10 years ago. If I could do without one fighter, if without seeing him again, I don't know. I'm sorry if I piss y'all off who are listening to the show. I could, I probably won't though. I could do without ever seeing Billy Did fight ever again. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know why Billy did just annoys me. His fights annoy me. I'm never entertained. He just seems like a fake ass Amir Khan. I just cannot with Billy did. I just never got the hype. And I apologize to you, Billy did fans. I don't. You know. I give the man the utmost respect. I would just prefer not to see him fight. I'm. I'm never entertained by his fights in any way or form. So I don't know. That's uh, that's my three. So, gentlemen, I am going to see where our next guest is. Anything? Uh, do we want to talk about? Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, Ali and Abrigu while we're waiting for yeah. Mr. Brett? Yeah, that was a Ryan, solid. Ryan, why don't? I was just going to say that, that was a, that was a solid step up in class for Saddam Ali, and you know he shined. It was not the most thrilling fight, you know, aside from, you know, when Abregu was hurt. Um, uh, you know, Ali really stunk it up and, you know, had everybody booing him. But it was effective because Abregu could never really uh, adjust or adapt. He's not that good of a technical boxer. You know, he's he's kind of crude. And, um, hey, uh, Ali showed that those amateur skills and credentials that he had, you know, back in the day, um, are still there, and uh, they, they still work as a professional. Um, I think he needed. I think he might have been getting bored, you know, fighting the 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 the, the level of opposition he was fighting, and that was leading him to underperform. He also said in his last fight is because he was, um, you know, uh, practicing um, Ramadan, and so that affected his his preparation for the fight. Um, whatever the case oh, might wait. be, um, he's I'm doing sorry, a lot better Ryan. now. Hope that thought. I think our guest is ready to call in now. Hello, you are live with the ruckus. Who am I speaking to? 
Ah, you speaking to Tim Bradley. Tim Bradley. Desert. Tim Desert Storm Bradley. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic, fantastic. How you guys doing? We're I'm great, right, Tim. You're a, yeah, we're great. you're joined by joined by Ryan Bivens, uh, Mr. Sweet Boxing, Ismail Dufalama, Beast Boxing Mayhem. For those of you just tuning in, we're now joined by former B, uh, former WBO champion Tim Bradley, who will be fighting Diego Chavez December 13th in Las Vegas. You'll be able to watch it on HBO. So we're just going to ask you a few questions. The guys I know have questions for you. We have a couple questions right. from uh, the listeners that they sent us ahead of time, and, you know, we'll Absolutely. have a uh, chance to speak with you. So right. as we are, I had the uh, opportunity to go to the, the Los Angeles press conference. Unfortunately, uh, Chavez wasn't there because he was still in Argentina, and it looked like you were really excited to get into this fight. Tell us a little bit about, you know, the naming of this opponent and what you expect from, from this fight on December 13th? Well, um, well first of all, uh, how this opponent, this opponent came about was, uh, you know, my manager, my manager is my wife now and, uh, you know, top rank, they work, they work, uh, together, uh, to give me my next, my next fight. And, uh, this is one of the opponents that HBO top rank, uh, you know, including my wife was like, Hey, it's, it's a good opponent. I mean, he has a, uh, really good record. Uh, not only that, he's faced uh, Keith Thurman. He's faced against uh, also uh, Rios, Brandon Rios. Uh, he did uh, relatively well in each fight. Uh, he's a tough guy. He's a very tough guy, very clever in the ring. Uh, I like to call his style a style, a style within a style um, because, uh, you know, he throws punches at weird angles. He does whatever he needs to do to try to hit you. Doesn't matter where you're at, where you're positioned at. Um, this guy, he's just he's just throwing shots, um, and uh, I, th- I think it's a great fight for the fans. I mean, I honestly, do. I mean, we all know that this guy can truly fight. The general public probably don't know who this guy is, but uh, we know that he can really fight. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, Bradley. I wanted to ask you, just kind of to piggyback on what you said about Chavez. You know, even though he's a good boxer. You also can get very dirty in there. And I wonder, when you're preparing for this fight, are you getting any flashbacks of possibly having an ugly fight the way you had with Tasso Mayor as far as, you know, fouls, all that type of stuff? Do you see that coming about in this fight? Uh, it could. I mean, definitely it could. Uh, if if Chavez uh, somehow don't allow me to work or don't want me to work and try to tie me up and get a little dirty in there, I, I could see the fight going that way. But, uh you know, uh, we'll bring it to the ref's attention, especially uh, right before the fight. Uh, the ref that's going in this fight knows that Chavez, you know, just had a fight that was rough and dirty. And so uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be uh, regulating and uh, putting the smack the smack down in the dressing rooms right before the fight um, and say that, hey, I'm not taking no bull crap from any of you guys. Anybody foul, I'm immediately taking the point or something like that. So, um I think that's where it's going to go down. But, uh, you know, if it doesn't, it's great. Uh, he fought against Thurman. He didn't foul Thurman. He didn't do anything that was uh, crazy in that fight. So, I mean, I know he's more than willing and capable of uh, fighting a clean fight. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, you pretty much made it to the mountaintop when you got Pacquiao. got two fights with him, actually. I wanted to kind of get your mindset. Do you still feel you're as hungry as you were back in 2010, 2011 when you were trying to get to that point? Now that you're here, is it still exciting to you or is it more business at this point? 
Well, I mean, it's always exciting. I love boxing. Um, boxing is what, what just you know, it just makes me tick. It's something that I do really well, and I enjoy. I enjoy the the sport in itself. So I watch boxing constantly. Uh, you know, as far as uh, as far as my career goes, I've done a lot in my career. Um, personally, I feel I have a Hall of Fame resume. Um, I faced over ten world champions, former or present world champions. I mean, I beat all these guys, man. Um, even beat Marquez, who's a legend in the sport. Beat Pacquiao, who's a legend in the sport. I mean, I feel that I definitely have a Hall of Fame uh, resume. But, uh, I mean, there's new challenges and new things, new goals that I've set for myself. Uh, whether I'm a champion at 147, I would like to move up and wait and test the waters at 154 pounds and face one of those junior middleweights there. So, I mean, that's another added motivation for me and the new goal in my mind that I think that I can accomplish a world championship at 154 pounds and I'll be I'll be a three division world champion. So the hunger is definitely still there, man. If you ask me that, I I just love competition, man. I love competition. I love when when uh, you know it's one on one, man, and uh, you know it's him against me, and that's what I really enjoy about the sport, man. Speaking of competition, have you actually had a chance to even look at the possibility now that you're saying the Cold War is over, some of those Golden Boy fighters you may be able to fight? Have you even looked at some of those possible opponents? I mean, I just take it as it comes. It's not like, uh, you know, I study all these guys. I know I pretty much know how to beat all these guys, man, because I always watch them fight, and, you know, I put myself in there. So I always study and have a game plan for all these guys. So, um you know, I just, you know, what's in front of me right now is like the only thing that I'm really focused on is uh, getting past this one. Um, these are one of those fights that, you know, can be really tough and gritty, you know, depending on how, how I fight in that fight and how, you know, uh, I know I pretty much know how, how this kid's going to come out of me. He's going to be aggressive, of course, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a great fight, man, and I'm just paying attention and focus on that, but uh, as far as fighting the best, man, that's all I want to do, man. I mean, Chavez was was the best available opponent at this moment. Now that the Cold War is, is supposedly over, I mean, there's a lot of fighters out there, definitely Golden Boy, that, you know, definitely pays a lot of attention, uh, or, you know, I'm paying a lot of attention to, but, you know, they can come. They can come whenever, man. Just say, you know, y'all already know what to do, man. Just just call my promoter. Y'all want to get it on with me, man. Just make it happen. I, you know, if it if it make dollars and makes sense for everybody, then let's do it, man. I, I'm willing to fight anybody. It don't matter any place, anywhere, anybody, anytime. Hmm. All right. Uh, Ryan. Yeah, hi, Tim. Um, nice to finally hey. get to talk to you. Um, I got a question man? about the um yeah. the the second Pacquiao fight. Um, one, did you really believe you lost that fight? Um, considering you thought you won the first fight. Um, and two, um, did it did it you know depress you? Uh, no, I didn't get depressed. First of all, I didn't get depressed in the, the second fight at all. Um, you know, I, I I think you know the first fight I had got injuries in that fight, and then I got injured in this fight for some reason. I just don't know why, man. And maybe uh, just because of the way Pacquiao, how resilient he is, how how quick he is, I, I just. You know, he's very athletic. I don't know. I just I try so hard to keep up with his speed and, you know, his uh, fluidity and everything, man. Like what he does in the ring, he's just so fast. So uh, if I was disappointed, I was disappointed about that. But, I mean, as far as the, the fight goes, um, 
as far as the fight goes, I thought it was a close fight. I honestly did. I thought the fight, uh, I thought he beat me. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying that, that were watching and were saying I was calling it a draw. But, uh, you know, I felt that he beat me. He did enough uh, in the later rounds to, uh, you know, definitely uh, merge on and, and get ahead of me. Um, I kind of I kind of fell off by the sixth round. I, I watched the fight. Um, I would say he beat me seven rounds of five. You know, some can argue, say, eight rounds of five. But, uh, you know, it just depends on who was watching that night. So, definitely, I lost that fight. Okay. Um and um, about Chavez, um, you know, considering that you know he's 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 come up short in his, his two big, you know, opportunities um, in the past, do you think that makes him more dangerous or less dangerous now? Well, I think he's gonna be hungry. Uh, I think that uh, I think by if he can defeat me, then you know he's climbed to the mountaintop and he'll have an opp- a bigger opportunity in the future. So I think he's really taking this fight really seriously. So. Um, I'm not expecting a tough, tough uh, Chavez. I'm not expecting a guy that's, you know, going to be jet-lagged, uh, you know, and all these complications. I think, you know, they're going to fly him in the right time. It's going to be a really, really good competitive fight. And uh, I, I think he's going to be a tough, 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 tough night, man, tough order, man. Like I said, he's a he's a big guy. He's tall. He's, you know, has power in both hands, particularly the right hand, great, great right uppercut, great right hand, good left hook. I mean, this kid, he does it all, man. He has a... He has a really uh, confusing style. He's very unorthodox, man, at it, too. So, you know, he's uh, showed that he's, uh, you know, durable and able and willing to fight with some of the best fighters in the world. And he showed that against Thurman until Thurman found that key and, and ended it with a body shot. And uh, But Rios, he was winning that fight before he got DQ for the Dirty Tactics. All right. You seem well-schooled on this opponent. So what, what, what you know, question in my mind is, Will we see the the most disciplined version of Timothy Bradley, like when you fought Juan Manuel Marquez, or you know, are we going to see another Tim Bradley that that goes in there against you know Bruce Lyon providing cough, you know, balls to the wall, and you know, just just to please the fans or you know, prove something to himself, um, and, you know, not fighting the smartest game plan. No, I, I think you know I've, I've learned it since. Uh, I mean, the second pack out fight. I mean, I really definitely got out of my element. Uh, I definitely tried to really knock this guy out. I felt like if I didn't knock back out, that you know what, I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't win the fight anyway. But after hearing those scores, I was like, yeah, I did right by trying to go for it anyway because the scores were ridiculous. I thought, but uh, uh, but at the same time, um, I learned that you know just hey man, just fight my fight. So I mean, I'm, I'm expecting. Well, I know what I'm gonna do in the fight, man. I don't want to give my my game plan, but you will see a smarter, a smarter uh, Tim. That's what that's what we're working on, man. Just being smart in the ring, um, using my angles, using my boxing skills. Um, so yeah, you'll definitely see my skill set in this fight, as opposed to in the Ruslan Pavanikov fight where I was uh, just swinging, gun hold, didn't care, and just you know put my face out there, hit it, and you know I can take it, and that's it. So absolutely, you you see. It, much more mature Tim Bradley just this time around. Um, uh, speaking of Pavonikov again, um, you know the last person to beat him, uh, Chris Algeri, is going on to fight Pacquiao. You know, what do you think about that fight? Uh, Chris Algeri, I mean, he's uh, very athletic, very motivated, uh, fights with a lot of confidence. Uh, he's very confident in his ability, abilities and everything. But uh, 
you know, uh, you know, everybody has a chance in this fight. I mean, if he learns it, if he can keep his distance and stay away from Pacquiao and not squat down to to Pacquiao's level, because Algeria has a tendency of, of crouching down and losing the size difference. Uh, you know, and his height advantage uh, by crouching down. You know, with the high guard, and that's one thing you don't want to do against Pacquiao. As soon as you put that high guard up, you just know that Pacquiao's coming around and coming straight through that guard, man. And uh, Algeria, he, he showed you know some weakness in his chin. He's been rocked by a couple of guys. I've seen some tape on him. Uh, he's been hurt with some right hands and left hooks, uh, particularly the left hook. Uh, he got hit with Ruslan Pavanikov, went down. He got up. You know, he showed how how good and how resilient he is and how tough he is, and that he changed his game plan up, and it was like. He knew he made the adjustment that I couldn't sit sit in there and hang with this kid and slugging and slugging with this guy. So he moved and used his, his reach, and he did right. So it's a good fight. It's going to be a really good test for uh, Manny Pacquiao. But I think Manny Pacquiao should definitely be able to solve this puzzle. Our jury's not that quick. Uh, you know, he's not a very big puncher at all. Um, he's very athletic, man, and he can move all night. But, uh, you know, Manny Pacquiao, like I said, this guy is—he's just different, man. He's a different type of fighter, man. Um, he's, uh, you know, he just always feels like he's a step ahead of you all the time, man. So, I'm, I'm picking Pacquiao, you know, in this fight. Um, you know, our jury, do I give him a chance? I'll give everybody a chance, but uh, I think Pacquiao wins this fight, no doubt. If our jury does win, is—is is that who you want to target? I don't, man. Come on, target, <laughs> man. I, I'm sure that I'm sure that if if our jury uh, miraculously wins, uh, then I'm sure there'll be a, a, a jury pack out too. I'm sure after that. But I mean, I don't have to really size myself up with anybody, man. I'm willing to fight anybody. I ain't gotta say I want to fight them. Everybody already know if the, whatever the best in my weight class, bring it on, man. I'm. You know, this I'm I'm tired of this guy saying he's the best. I'm tired of this guy saying he's the best, but he ain't fighting the best, man. You know, to fight the best, that's what that's what it means to be the best in the world. You got to fight the best, man. You know, if Michael Jordan was to come back and say, oh, I'm the best player ever, but, you know, what he can't compete with Le- LeBron, if he can't compete with, you know, all these other guys out there, Rand and Durant and all them, man, then, I mean, how can he consider himself the best player, man? You you got to be able to, hey, if you're in the game, guess what? Fight the best opponents, available opponents for you, and for you, man, and fight the best in your weight class and the best in the world. And that's how you can call yourself the best ever, the best of this generation, the best whatever, if you fight everybody, everybody. As long as you standing there and you fighting and you in boxing in this boxing game, fight the best. That's it. That's plain and simple, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to fight the best. So, you know, I get this win. When I get this win in December, then I'm going to be looking for the next best available opponent. You know, that's that's a top-notch guy out there. Um, I'm looking for bigger fish to fry, man. That's just this is that's just it, man. Um, I want to continue on to have this great career of mine and continue on to just hey, get the fans what the fans want to see, the best possible matchups. Okay, but I'm curious why you might want to move up the scales considering, you know, welterweight is the best division in boxing. You know, it doesn't seem well, like you need to go anywhere. Well, I've already fought two of the best at, at welterweight already, so... Um, you know, um, I, I think moving up to 54, it'd be a different challenge. Uh, be one another, 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 another little things where you know everybody would say, man, he's crazy. That's too much weight. He's too small. But a lot of people don't really know my track record, so I mean, a lot of people don't really follow me like that. So I fought at 152 pounds, 
as an amateur man. I know it's the pro ranks, but it's no different. I fought against guys six foot, six foot one, you know, six foot two. I mean, I fought against big giants, man. So it's nothing, man. Uh, I got my quickness, my footwork. You know, I can get in and out on these guys. Uh, just because you're big don't mean you can be dominant, man. It's about boxing skills, and I have them. So 154 is not like a big, big jump to me, for me to me. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm relatively small, but there's a lot of 54-pounders out there that are small, too. I mean, Miguel Cotto's not that big. You know, he's not bigger than – he's not extremely big. You know, he's a thick guy, big legs, but he's not like uh, the sky tower. You know, he's not towering over me. You get what I'm trying to say? Right. So um, that's the reason why, man. It's a, it's a good opportunity, plus it will be a really good fight to fight, you know, one of those champions out there, 54 even Canelo, I mean, you know, you looking. He's not a very big, big, big guy. He's just big boned, you know. Um, he's not that tall. I mean, he's probably five eight. I mean, I fight guys five eight all the time. So they're not very that big. So uh, why not, man? Why not test the waters that high and see if I can win a world championship there? It'd be a hell of a hell of a, a run, man, if I can get one. You know, if, if you were able to to land a Canelo or a, a Cotto fight, those would probably be Above 54, you know, not all the way up to 160, but above 54. Is that still okay with you? Yeah, man, I walk around about 175, sometimes 185. So, I mean, I can get up high, man. Uh, in between my fights, I blow up because just my, my frame, I eat everything in the house. And, dude, I ain't got to lift a weight, man. And I just got <laughs> some 18s, 20s on me, man, you know, getting up that high in weight. But, uh you know, I I walk around, I can walk around that weight easy, 165, 175, 185, and then I just come back down. I come back down to 147. So um, I'm a naturally just you know muscle bound dude because my my genetics and you know my father. You look at my father. My father's about 230 pounds. I mean, you know he can get up to about 250 pounds if he wanted to. So and he's five. He's five seven and a half. Okay. Um, you know, assuming it is, um, you know, Cotto that you're, you're able to get in the ring with, and he's still uh, technically the, the lineal middleweight champion of the world, if you beat him, would you defend that title? Would I defend the title? Yeah. Yeah, I would defend the title, absolutely. Um, you know, if I'm the champion at, at that weight class, would I defend the, the title? Absolutely. But if something else was to come along that was big, you know, boxing's a business as well, man. Um, I definitely will go after that. So if I had to go down to 147 again or go, you know, or stay at 54 or whatever or, you know, 160, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll stand there and I'll, and I'll fight the, the next best available opponent. Absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm done. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, looking, looking over, you know, your last couple fights and the types of injuries that you've suffered, you know, you like you alluded to, you said you're a very muscular guy and it's very easy for you to get back in shape. Just to prevent some of these muscle tears and other type of injuries, have you made any adjustments to your strength and conditioning training so that you don't suffer these types of injuries in the future? Well, there's, I mean, I got now I have a, I got a physical therapist now. Um, I got a doctor on hand, 24, 24-7. I mean, there's a lot of things that definitely have changed since the injuries. Uh, I got, you know, a doctor that's looking after me, you know, on a weekly basis and just critiquing my, my improvements. And I got a physical therapist that works on me three days, that works on me three days a week. 
Um, I got a massage therapist that, you know, that works hand in hand with me too. I mean, there's a lot of different things that now are in place. So uh, I got a strategy, got a plan, what I'm going to be doing and what I'm going to have to do so this won't happen again. It's particularly my feet. It's my feet. I'm very flat-footed. I got size 12 feet, <laughs> five six, <laughs> and um, I, you know I'm very I'm flat-footed. So uh, you know a lot of problems occur because of because I'm flat-footed. And mm-hmm. um, so absolutely, I mean we're doing a lot of a lot of things now that are a little bit different, and it's helping. It's showing. It's definitely showing an improvement and improving uh, in those areas that I that I'm weak in. Mm-hmm. In your in your corner, we know that the fixtures in your corner are always your father, Tim Bradley Sr., and Joel Diaz. Will your corner still continue to operate as it has in the last couple of fights where Joel is the predominant voice and your dad is more in the background or have their roles changed, Indy? No, never, never. Um, you know, I, my dad will always be in my corner and a lot of less he. He can't take it anymore. Joel Diaz will always be my trainer. You know, granted, nothing happens to me or him. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, we win together. We lose, we lose together. You know, we celebrate together. We, we're happy together. We're sad together, man. But, you know, I, I've i gotten here and I got to the top, you know, with this team. And there's no point in changing it, man. We 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 have the remedy. And, uh, you know, just because we suffer the defeat don't mean that it's over. So, um, we can continue to grow together and continue to do to do great things in boxing. And uh, I'm gonna stay with my team. I'm not one of those guys that you know point the finger at everybody. You know, oh, I lost because of you. Or I lost because of you and this and this. Nah, I, you know, <laughs> I just got beat by a better man that night. That's just it. We did everything mm-hmm. we were supposed to do. You know, we fought the good fight, but you know what? Hey, we we came up short. That doesn't mean that it's over. So, you know, you get better go back to the drawing board. You don't need to fire this guy and fire that guy and blame this guy. No, you look at yourself in the mirror because guess what? At the end of the day, and when you wake up every single morning, that guy that you're looking over in the middle, that's the battle that you have every single day is with yourself, man. And in that ring, it's the same thing. It's just you and him in that ring. So at the end of the day, the only person to point to is yourself. It's my own. Yeah, Tim, I got one final question for you. Um, being that, let's look at it this way, Devin Alexander, his rep kind of has still not recovered from that fight that you had with him in 2011, you know, the way that he ended the fight. Do you get any type of, I guess, still satisfaction based on the way that fight led up and what people, you know, they had questions about you? The fact that you were able to answer all those questions and where your career has gone since that fight, do you look back on that fight with a lot of satisfaction? Uh, the Devin fight, absolutely. I mean, Devin was a was a great was a great champion. So, uh, you know, the fact that I fought him and I actually, I beat him, uh, regardless of how the how the fight turned out, man, I was winning that fight, no doubt. But uh, you know, of course, I mean, I look at it, and I look at it, and and uh, you know, I, I'm proud. I'm definitely proud, proud of that. I, you know, that was one of the goals that I that I need to accomplish, and I was able to accomplish the goal, that goal. So, I'm very happy about it. Speaking of which, right. um, that reminds me. I remember, you know, um, around that fight, I think maybe a little bit afterward, um, you got accused of, of ducking Amir Khan, and now and now Amir Khan is going to fight Devin Alexander. So I'm, I'm curious on you know, how you think that fight's going to play out. Um, you know what? I don't. I, don't, I really don't know, man. I really don't know. Um, 
I don't know, man. I really don't, dude. I, I don't know who's going to win that fight. I mean, I know Mir, Mir is extremely fast, uh, quick with his hands. Um, Devin, Devin's quick as well, and he is a, he's a left-handed fighter. He's very awkward. Uh, I, I think the styles is, 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 is man, it's a compelling style. I don't know, man. I, I can't call that one, man. It's too close to call, man. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. It's way too close to call, man. I, I, I that's a fight that, uh, that I will be TiVoing and checking out. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I I have no idea, man. It should be a good competitive fight over there, man. Well, we wish you the best of luck on uh, your fight against Diego Chavez. Uh, once again, for those of you who are tuning in, we're talking to Tim Bradley, who will be facing uh, Diego Chavez December 13th at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. So make sure you tune in on HBO. Congratulations on the new baby that you all are expecting over Hi. there. Thank you. So, I really appreciate uh, you guys. And it was a great, great, great. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a great show, man. Great questions. And uh, hey, I'm looking forward to coming back another time. So thank you. So thank you so much now. And everybody that tuned in, I re- thank you. You know. Thank you for joining us. Good luck. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Peace. All right. That was uh, Tim Bradley. You know, make sure you tune in. you got two cards happening that night. You've got the card with uh, D- him fighting Diego Chavez happening that night. You know, it's going to be going against the other card against Devin Alexander versus Amir Khan. Kind of uh, interesting foreshadowing of what's happening in the welterweight division. You might see that roundtable since, you know, the Cold War is over and, and everybody's singing Kumbaya and roasting marshmallows and doing all those good things with each other these days. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. We could see uh, Tim in the ring against Amir Khan. We could see him fighting against Evan Alexander. Or we could see him moving up in weight. As he mentioned, he'd be very interested in moving up to 154. So what do you think? You know, it's my what do you think of, of Tim Bradley moving up in weight to fight uh, Miguel, to fight Miguel Cotto, who I feel at 160, although he beat, he beat Sergio Martinez. I always felt that 160 was too big for Miguel Cotto. What do you think of the merits of that fight? That's a good fight for him. And when he was talking about, I just want to move up and fight one of the champions, that I kind of wasn't feeling too much. Um, he should only be moving up, like you said, if it's a big, big fight, a Colo or a Canelo, then the, by all means, that makes perfect sense because, you know, you can't really get money like that in the other place. I think the Colo fight would be really interesting in the fact that I think Colo could be a fighter that can bring out kind of a – the brawling to him that he's trying to, you know, yeah. keep under control. You know, Kodo is a really good body puncher. It's going to be an inside fight for the most part. There will be some good boxing mix in there because they both can box and move. So I think it would be a really intriguing fight where you'll see game plans having to be adjusted, you know, three and four times over the course of a fight. I really like that fight, actually. I just think at this stage, you know, Kodo was looking for the maximum fight. Unfortunately, I think he really wouldn't look Tim's way. So it'll just have to be a fight that, you know, would be a hypothetical. I really would be surprised if that fight were to actually happen. And, Ryan, you know, before we wrap up and move on to our, our next guest, you know, shots fired or no, you know, to fight the best, to be the best ever, TB, you have to fight the best. Shots fired or no? Um, uh, it's kind of sort of, yeah, kind of sort of, I guess. <laughs> But uh, not. It wasn't obvious. Let's just put it that way. It was. It wasn't obviously, you know, taking shots. Um, it was. It was very sly about it. 
So um, it, I, it's just nothing to um, you know get excited about. But let's just say yeah. when it comes to Floyd Mayweather, a lot of people are more are more vocal about their their feelings about him than than Tim Bradley was in that interview. Mhm. Mhm. Definitely. Well, you know, you know, the fans always take things far more seriously than the combatants do in any sport. You know, you swear people are getting kicked back or, you know, with a mama in the ring fighting and fans just get a little fanatical about about certain things. So I think he answered that well. I think it's true of the sport, the best fighting the best. Long-time argument of true boxing fans and, you know, politics does what it does to boxing and that's what it is. Uh, so shout out to Mike Money Two One Four, Boxing Fan One Hundred One, and Rock Kelly for uh, tweeting us your questions ahead of Tim Bradley calling into the show. He, they were posed to him, and he answered. I hope you like that. We you don't have to like his answer; it was his answer. But I hope you're glad that we asked your questions. We do appreciate you tweeting them to us um, for this interview. And once again, thanks to Tim Bradley for calling into the show. That was very very nice of him. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be on with. Hassan Salam, not a boxer, but a big boxing fan, hip-hop artist, new album out. We're going to talk to him a little bit about boxing, matches he'd like to see, and a little bit about his album, Life in Black and White. So we'll be back in just one moment. No joke, I used to let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder, damn. But think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict, addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm. I hook a beat up, convert it into hip hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti every show you see me in. Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild if you wanna be tame. I treat you like a child. And we are back. And I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing, looking for his phone number, but I have it now. Gentlemen, before we uh, bring Hassan Salam onto the desk, let's talk. Um, let's see. Random topic. Boxing rumors this week. I saw an article that, uh, or not an article, but a press release that uh, Yuri Arcus Gamboa is going to be fighting again soon. How excited are you to see Yuri Arcus Gambo in the ring, Ismael? Okay, is that an indicator? Oh, there you go. There you go. Sorry, I had you muted. How excited are you to see Yuri Arcus Gamboa back in the ring? Maybe I I have something on it. I like Gamboa. You know, he's he's a very good fighter. Um, He can get lazy in there, and I guess that kind of adds a little bit to the excitement. You know, he gets dropped pretty much every fight. But, um... I like to see him fight. You know, he needs to be a weight class lower. You know, lightweight is not for him, I don't think. Uh, I do believe he is coming in a little bit lower. So, yeah, I'm good. You know, he, unfortunately, I kind of look at him as a kind of waste of potential. He had years where he really wasn't doing much. And then, you know, we also had this steroid issue that he went on with. So, you know, it is what it is with Gamble. He's a very talented fighter. You know, I'll always check in to see him fight. Ryan? Mm. Yeah, I always like to watch Gamboa fight. Um, I can't get excited about his opponent, obviously, because you know it's it's kind of just it's opponents, to, you know. Yeah, to to get his you know feet wet again. Um, mm-hmm. Where's it going? It's going to be in Mexico. Um, what? It's on undercard or something. 
Yeah, I got the the press release from SMS, and I haven't read it thoroughly, but uh, I'll be checking it out. But yeah, Gamble will be Ooh. fighting in. Uh, well, this is this is actually kind of an interesting card. The uh, the headline is um, Alejandra Marina Olivares um, versus Erica Annabella Farias. That's going to be a, a light welterweight title fight. That's interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Also in the car, Christian Mars. Um, so, yeah, hopefully some network in Mexico picks that up. Christian um, Mahars. Leo Santa Cruz. Yeah. Right. Leo Santa Cruz gave him that work, right? Yeah, because Christian, you know, he's getting up there in age. But, you know, I like I like his skills, though. You know, he, he, he slowed down. You know, at this higher weight, he doesn't carry the same kind of power. So um, he, he's more hittable, and when he hits you, it's not as damaging. But, you know, at one time, uh, he was considered, like, a, a top 10 pound-for-pound fighter. So, sure. you know, he's just, yeah, you, it's just like to, the craft. You you can enjoy the craft. Like, you know, B-Hop obviously isn't still one of the, you know, top fighters, well, pound-for-pound you know, pound fighters in the world anymore. But you you can still, in, 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 you know, appreciate his craft, uh, you know, against the right opponent. And uh, Chris Maharis is, is fighting just that. All right. All right, let's bring on our next guest, and then uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, more about that at the show. Hassan Salam, this is Giandra with the Ruckus, and I'm joined by uh, Ismail and Ryan Bivens. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are y'all doing? Doing good. Uh, right? We are all right. So we are going to uh, talk to you. For those of you who are listening in, we are joined by Hassan Salam. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, H-A-S-A-N-S-A-L-A-A-M, just like Ismail Salam, who is on our panel. Uh, new album out, Life in Black and White. Make sure you download it from iTunes or purchase through however you purchase music. So we're going to talk a little bit about him. And, you know, boxing, big boxing fan, big boxing participant. So we're going to get into that, you know, some of his favorites, uh, talk a little bit about his album and wrap it up like that. So, you know, Hassan, you have a new album out right now, Life in Black and White. Tell us a little bit of why you titled the album that way. Well, uh, for me, I've always... uh... I've always been a fan of black and white photography. I feel that black and white photography always makes us look at the gray areas in life. You know, we, we overlook a lot of things, and just the way black and white makes us focus on certain elements and, th- and certain things in a composition of a moment. And then just on top of that, you know, uh, my mother's African-American and my father's Caucasian-American, so it's kind of like a play on that as well. You know, there's... there's now, so I was just going to say, you know, a lot of times people try to pit one side against the other, but ultimately it's that gray area that makes us all similar, you know? Mm-hmm. Looking at what the play on the title, Life in Black and White, and tying it into boxing, when we think of some of the most iconic images in boxing, like uh, Muhammad Ali standing over someone or some of the Im- images that we see, do you think those moments would have been different had they not been captured in black and white? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you think of, you know, even even these, my father always had uh, old boxing posters up in his house. 
And some of those images, whether it be like Sonny Liston or Neil Griffin or Sugar Ray Robinson, all all these images, I mean, especially when you're young and you're not, you don't grow up with black and white photography in the same way. I spent so much time just imagining what it really looked like, you know, in that moment and in that time. So it just kind of makes you look at look at the picture and, and look at life in a different way. Um. I'm going to lob it over to Ismail Bussalam, who has a few questions for you, and we'll all kind of take turns asking you questions about the album and about boxing and Nexus and all of those great things. Uh, go ahead, Ismail. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, so Hassan, I wanted to really get your um, take on the Father's Day song. It's a very, very powerful song. I know you just mentioned uh, your father's influence on you as far as the boxing goes. Being that you still... Um, actually practice boxing, is that a way that you use to connect with the positive memories that you uh, have of your father? Yeah, no, absolutely. Honestly, boxing is the only thing that me and my father can talk about without fighting, if Mm. that makes any kind of sense. If if, if it becomes a political discussion or something about family or things like that, it usually winds up in some kind of argument or something. But when it's boxing... (laughs) <laughs> you know, he and I just, I don't know, just my whole my whole interaction, my real positive memories of, of my father from, from my childhood was, was always around, revolved around boxing. You know, my father was a Jersey City guy, so he used to take me to Bufano's gym in Jersey City before it burnt down and, uh, you know, tell me all kinds of stories of, of just Jersey City boxing history. You know, he... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's funny, you know, like even this show right now would probably be the one show that I should have told him to listen to. You know, he does not like hip-hop music at all. And, mm. you know, just, just the boxing aspects. Like even now, when he and I probably see each other once maybe every three months or something like that, and it's always what's going on with the boxing. He always wants to see if I've done any kind of training videos or, or I've worked with anybody that that – you know, he could just see some of the things that he's taught me coming to light because uh, I own a fitness studio in Clearwater, Florida, and I do teach people some, some boxing techniques and some training techniques down there. So, like, to him, that's all he want to know. He, he don't really give a when it comes to the music side of things, you know? Wow, wow. wow. Um, back to the music, you have some, you know, other, other powerful tracks like uh, Half Free, Mulatto Babies, like you just mentioned, you know, the, dealing with the idea of race and race identity. You know, back in the beginning of the 20th century, you had W.B. Du Bois that mentioned double consciousness would be the big issue facing African Americans. Do you still feel that's the main issue now in the 21st century for African Americans? I think it's it's just as prevalent, if not more prevalent now, especially when W.B. Du Bois was writing about double consciousness, we're talking about about a time when there was legal segregation, you know, and now where everything is supposed to be desegregated and they're telling us that we're living in this post-racial society in America, sometimes I think um, African-Americans in this, in this, uh, in this society don't, don't want to speak and bring their blackness into a lot of things because then we always get accused of pulling the race card or, you know, just, just going too hard with it. So I think it's even more prevalent now because we also find ourselves in jobs and living in neighborhoods that we wouldn't live in or, or have a opportunity to have back in the day. So I, I think it's just as 
just as prevalent. Gotcha, gotcha. What, if you had to pick a boxer that you would say kind of represents your rhyme style, how you approach MCing, what boxer would that be? Uh, that's a great question right there. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm a big B-Hop fan, man. I, I, I love his IQ in the ring. And also, you know, besides coming in with the mask and all of that kind of stuff, he's not a flashy fighter, man. If he finds a weakness, he's willing to just hit on that weakness until you until you collapse, you know, especially young Hopkins. So I, I, I'll go with Hopkins on that. You know, I, I also just like the will, the determination, and, and his adaptability with age. You know, I was just recently reading this article on, you know, him doing his shadow boxing at home. Um, Underwater, like you know, in the pool or whatever, because it's not as hard in his joints since he's up there in age. I, I just find his ring IQ, his training IQ, his training techniques just to be really genius. Gotcha. When, uh, earlier on the show, um, if you were listening in, we had uh, Tim Bradley on, who's going to be fighting December 13th against Diego Chavez. Mm-hmm. Looking back, you know, a lot of attention of Tim Bradley. You know, Tim Bradley has fought a lot of champions, but the defining, the fights that people talk about most were the fight against Ruslan Provodnikov and then the two fights against Manny Pacquiao. Looking at the fight with Manny Pacquiao and the rematch, how do you feel he fared against Manny Pacquiao? Did he win the first fight or no? Personally, and I'm not a Pacquiao fan, I, I, did, think, I did think Pacquiao took the first one. Mm-hmm. That's just me. And when I was scoring it, I was I was a little surprised. I usually feel that you know, champion has to bring it, but um, I just felt when I was scoring the fight that I, I felt Pacquiao won. But I, I do think uh, Timothy Bradley's a great fighter. You know, I, I I like fighters that are willing to fight whoever, whenever, however. You know, so I respect that about him. Of the fights that have, are coming up over the next few months, I know you're out and touring um, a lot. Are there any fights that are coming up that you're looking most forward to? Well, I, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, what was it? Um, what was it? I, it's messed up because I was actually on the road reading tweets. I was looking for your tweets on the on the Hopkins fight. I was going from Atlanta to Clearwater, so I missed that one. But um. I want to see the Khan Alexander fight a lot. You know, I, Who do you I, I think? definitely. I like Amir Khan. I like Amir Khan. I just want to see how his chin holds up. You know, I, I I definitely think he's a great fighter. I want to see the um Danny Garcia fight too. When you look at how Danny Garcia has been lately, you know he's received a lot of flack for his last fight against the smaller Rod Schalke and the fight before that against Mauricio Herrera, people who ironically is fighting on the Tim Bradley undercard, mm. many people felt that Mauricio Herrera beat him in that fight. How, what, do, what is your opinion on, on Danny Garcia? Do you think he is the true force in the welterweight division, like welterweight division, wherever he chooses to stay? Or have these last few fights been kind of like exposing him as not as dominant as people thought? Well, I mean, you know, when you when you see somebody when they're rising up and they're just, you know, eviscerating everybody and all of that, 
when they start to hit certain bumps in the road, if there's questions about it, you know, you you want to see. And I, I think this fight coming up will be a real good testament to that. I think, um, you know, I with all sports, sometimes certain people play down the competition. And I, I think that it's, it's, it's really important that, uh, you know, if you want to establish yourself amongst the greats and, and, and if he is, you know, hungry for that, We'll see now because, you know, once you start hearing those doubters and detractors, you got to step your game up, you know. So hopefully, hopefully he'll, he'll, he'll put out a better show in his next one. If you could get in the ring, since you do like to train, and, you know, I tweeted a, a video of you, and you're pretty nice on the speed bag. If you could get into the gym with one fighter to train for, like, six months, who would you like to train with? I want to train with Floyd. I mean, he's he's undefeated, and also, I mean, I think when I think of my own skill set, uh, what I would want to learn from him, I want to learn to be a better defensive fighter. You know, I I can't. I I always remember I wanted to go see the Cotto Mayweather fight in uh, in this theater in Jersey, and the whole theater was full of Cotto fans, and they were just screaming. Any any time it looked like Cotto even landed a shot. And then it would show it in slow-mo, and you would be like, oh, wow, he, he really didn't land any of those. So everybody kind of had like a collective, aww, when they saw it over. So, I mean, and, and that was somebody who actually did put hands on Mayweather. But I just think that, um, you know, defense always interests me. You know, I, I think a lot of people who are so big into UFC that are just want to see knockouts and things like that and all kinds of brutality, I mean, boxing is a, is a science. You know, it's about hitting and not getting hit. So to find out the best ways to not get hit, I feel is something that I would want to train with, you know. All right. So for those of you uh, who want to keep up with you, you know, give us all your, your social media, how fans can keep up with you and, you know, want to purchase Life in Black and White. Oh, yeah, you can catch me on at Hassan Salam, H-A-S-A-N-S-A-L-A-A-M, on Instagram, Twitter, and my website is HassanSalam.com. You know, I'm usually on Twitter if I'm able to, to catch the fight, talking all kinds of talking all kinds of mess and scoring and things like that. Definitely posting a lot of different training techniques. And, you know, it's it's real great to be on this, on the, on the show with y'all, you know. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you. So remember, those of you who are listening, make sure you uh, check out Life in Black and White, Deep Lyric. Lot. If you are into lyrical content and not fluff, you know, but the beat knocks too. Make sure you uh, yeah, no, nah, the beat's out. definitely not. Check them out, and uh, you know, make sure you check out his YouTube channel so you can see his latest videos. Thank you for joining us. And uh, you know, I'm sorry what happened last week. We kind of had a a little bit of a crazy show, so I apologize. You know, for oh no doubt, I don't... next week. I didn't get to tell you who my favorite boxers of all time were. I just ah. I just wanted to go over that real real quick, real quick, if that's all right. That, of course. All-time favorites, kind of random, but, you know, always, like, growing up, Pernell Whitaker, you know. But um, Ricardo Lopez, not a lot of people remember him, but he was, for some reason, my favorite fighter. He was, like, a minimum weight fighter, but dude never threw a punch that was off balance. I thought he was an amazing fighter. B-Hop, Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Ike Abdeabuchi if he didn't get locked up. Ooh, ooh. 
like that one. That was yeah. Out there. Bear Bucci was 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 a crazy dude, man. I'll never forget that Chris Bird knockout. That was that was insane. Yes. And uh, Dana oh, yeah. Lewis fight was one of the greatest heavyweight fights in recent memory. Well, Very true. It's not, it's, it's not recent anymore, but but I given, mean it's, given, it seems yeah. Given the heavyweight it division, it seems recent. Yeah, I know because like nothing's been happening in the division, so that that was like a recent, you know, a classic, so to speak. Yeah, no, nah, there's there's definitely been a lot of a long slumber in the heavyweight division, man. But um, yo, yeah. once again, thank thank y'all so much for having me. I I, I I'm definitely gonna be checking out your show as much as possible. I, I love catching your tweets whenever there's a fight, and I'm missing it especially. Yeah, yeah. I, I trust I trust your scores. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. No All doubt. right, so make sure you check them out. Uh, thanks again, Hassan. Take care. Peace. Peace. All right, so make sure you follow him, Hassan, Hassan Salam. You know, follow him on Instagram, follow him on Twitter, check out his music. And, you know, he has some other endeavors that the ladies might want to check out, wink, wink. But you'll have to follow him on the on Twitter, on social media to find out about those. Or, you know, hit me on a DM and I'll tell you what they are. So, gentlemen, we have someone who has been patiently waiting in the queue. I'm going to bring him on. Although I don't want to talk to Brandon many, Stubbs. No, it's not Brandon Stubbs. It's not Brandon okay. Stubbs. It's not Mike Money. It's not Drake Cade. It's not uh, our usual suspects. It's someone on Twitter who manages to make me annoyed every few months or so. But I do enjoy him. You know, you you, you gotta you gotta have folks I'm like this. So I'm gonna just I'm gonna just turn him on. I'm gonna just bring him on, and I'm gonna let him go. I'm gonna just let him go. All right, Bivin. you are live on with the ruckus. Don't make me click you. Don't make <laughs> me click you. All right, give it to me. Nah. I've wanted to talk to you for a while. Give it to us. Well, first, I just want to know, I want Bivens' opinion on Bellu, Cleverly, Vargas DeMarco, Murray, Tetra, Quick, Otakai, and McDonald Ramos. Wow. Wow. Let's, um, all right, let, let's tackle that one at a time. Okay, let's um start with the uh, cleverly Bellu rematch. We'll, we'll all go through. We'll all go through how how we think these fights are going to go. The first fight, I thought Bellu won. Um, it was close. Um, could have gone out of the way. I'm cool that Cleveland got the decision. Um, since then, though, I would say Bellu has progressed and Cleverly has not. So, you know, with an even first fight and, you know, Bellu's improvements, um, you'd have to give him the edge. So, um, what's everybody think about that? Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Let's, let's get the other panel. Oh, I totally agree. I think uh, Cleverly, especially after the Kovalev fight, he was just, his mind was gone for a little while. So, I don't think he'll be able to handle those. I think he'll he'll lose this one by decision. I don't see him getting knocked out, but I don't see him winning this one. All right, so I think that was by decision. Is that the call? Is that the call? Yeah, by decision. That's my pick. All right. What about Vargas and Marco? <sighs> Let's see. Well, they are fighting outside of Las Vegas, so that gives DeMarco True. a chance. So, so Jesse Vargas <laughs> <Good point. laughs> finally not fighting in Las Vegas. So the opponent 
is a live dog. But you know, well, well, Jesse Rogers being traded by Roy Jones now, so I, I honestly don't know if that that's going to do him any favors. Um, I really don't. It, it is curious. Um, it's a tough one, you know. Um, Demarco at one forty is not the fighter he was at one thirty-five. Right. But he, he he probably is the more seasoned fighter. But you know now, I mean, it's a tough call. It, it is. Um, hmm. I, I you know what I'm, I'm gonna go with Jesse Vargas to help with it. Uh, I like Antonio Demarco, <laughs> I do. But um, Jesse Vargas, uh, the guy finds ways to win. Uh, I don't know how. Um, uh, we're going to see if it. it if it's just the Vegas thing or not on this fight. But, yeah, this this could go either way. This this isn't a fight that I would make a strong pick on. Um, if it was in Vegas, I would say, yeah. Come on, Jeff, I need an answer. Well, you, you got to go. You got to go whatever you feel. Like, um, But, yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty even fight. But I would go with Jesse Vargas by decision. All right. How about you, Ash? I'm taking Vargas. Yeah, I'm definitely taking Vargas, especially at 140. I think, uh, you know, DeMarco's not going to be able to have his power be the equalizer like he normally does at the lower weight. And I think Vargas, you know, we get on him because of some of these decisions being ridiculous, but he is a capable boxer. I think he can actually outbox DeMarco enough to get a clear decision. So I'm actually picking him by comfortable decision. Mm. Sounds good. All right. Yuri against Petra. Wait, say that again. The Takashi Miyuri against um Oh, Takashi Miyuri. Oh. Yeah, whatever his oh, name he, is. Oh, yeah, uh, he's the uh what, super featherweight? Um yeah, yeah he's he's going to win. <laughs> his opponent isn't very good. But is it a guaranteed knockout? I need to know. <laughs> um guaranteed knockout. Oh. That's tough. Uh hmm. Edgar Puerta, the guy is fairly durable. So I'm not going to say guaranteed knockout, um, but a likely. I would say it's a likely knockout because Miura just destroys dudes. He's been running over everybody. Uh, if I were putting money down, I would go by late stoppage. Yeah, same. All right. <laughs> you know about Quig when he fights uh, some bum? <laughs> Scott Quigg Who's Scott Quigg fighting? I don't even know who he's fighting uh, Otake, Otaki, Otaki I don't know Let's see Ah, this guy Otaki I remember him stop him. Um, yeah. yeah, he should stop him Alright And uh, mm-hmm. McDonald Ramos Oh right. Um, I I remember wanting to watch a certain Ramos fight before I made a pick on this one. So I know McDonald's going to win. I just don't know how yet. I would say, you know, with seventy five percent certainty that he would win a would win by a stoppage, but. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I'm thinking decision. 
right. I'll have to go straight on that one. No, that's all. That's all I need. But I, <laughs> also, also, no, no. I, I need about Fury and Chisora. Who do you think we yeah. every man? Yo, um, oh, Fury. Tyson Fury. Yeah, I think he clobbers Chisora. I really do. I I wouldn't really pick on that fight until the weigh-in. Like I got to see the weigh-in. Honestly, that that's what it comes down to. If if Derek Chisora is in top shape, he has a chance to win a close decision. If not, Good luck on that. or 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 if Tyson Fury is you know extremely obese, then uh, Chisora <laughs> can can and, and Chisora is in top shape. Then I would say Chisora should win the decision. But uh, both in equal shape, it's um it's a close fight. But um yeah. if Chisora isn't in shape. He is getting, you know, the business like he got the first time when he was 20 pounds overweight. Utterly ridiculous. Men, ironically, they've been out of, they've both been out of the ring since February. Were they on the same card? Yeah, so we're on the same card. They haven't fought yeah, since yeah. their fight since February. Yeah, what was the reason it, this one got delayed? Was it Shizora? Shizora yeah. got injured sparring or something or other. Not a cut. Something shoulder, elbow, something retarded, something ridiculous. Yeah. It wasn't even. I can't remember. Oh, hey, uh, Pulev. I mean, um, Vladimir Klitschko. He he had to pull out a Pulev fight the first time for like the same thing, didn't he? Let's yeah. go, champ. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shannon, Shannon I gotta get. He's in he's in Germany, you know. So he, he's going to be ringside probably. I want him to run to the ring, Ultimate Warrior style, and shake the ropes. That's what I need Shannon Briggs to do nah, after. Nah, Shannon, Klitschko that's my boy. But he'd, he'd be out of breath on the run style. Like oh. Warrior well, maybe I'm just saying. Yeah. Hold on. I, I got a question for the caller. Um, what, where did you come up with the name Stud Heart T22? I've wondering that, too. Tell us, tell us the meaning of the name. Well, it's very simple. I'm a stud, and it, my 22 is my favorite number. And the rest are just a filler. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> well, as, they, as, as you are driving the Golovkin bandwagon, you will be very as, pleased with something Bad Culture will be offering very shortly. So be on the lookout at be on the lookout for it as a Golovkin bandwagoner. You should like very you should like very much something you're going to see come from bad culture within the next two months. So Yo, stay tuned no, for no, it. I, I want I want him to give his his top ten pound for pound list because this is a very this is a very no we 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 got thirty minutes left in the show. We're not going to get ten. We get five. You can give us five pound for pound people. Give us your top five. All right. Well, it's, it will start with Canelo, and then um, okay. Golovkin, Maidana, wait, wait. and. And um, Kovalev. Was that wait? Was Whoa. that from one to five or five to one? Give it to us again. Give us number one. Number one, um, Kovalev. He's got the best okay. one of those guys. But, um, two, uh, Golovkin. Three, Matisse. Mm-hmm. Um, four, mm-hmm. Canelo, and five, Maidana. Even though I think Provodnikov should be up there if he beats Castillo. Wait a minute. Is this the pound for pound punchers list or what? Hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Number four was who, and five was Maidana? No, no, I, no, I put Canelo four. Canelo is four. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to just let that lay where it is. I don't even have no comments because pound for pound lists are 
you know, they're subjective. So I, I, I accept this. No, I'm not going to argue at all. I just, I just thought there the listeners should hear it because it was, it, it made me smile when when I saw him tweet it. So I thought everybody else would no. enjoy it. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's, it's, it made me smile too. That's why I had to write it down. <laughs> oh, well, well, where's the love for Roman Gonzalez, though, man? I thought you were a fan. Oh, I am, I am, but I am. But I heard he was—he didn't want the rematch with Estrada, and I, and I don't like it if he's ducking it. Let me, hmm. Scott Hart, do you like to, do you like to write? Do I like to what? Do you like to write? <laughs> to write? Yes, to write. Um, you know, click, 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 or like pencil, paper. Yeah, yeah, I can write. You know, I want you to—I want you to write some articles for me for Bad Culture. Like All right, what can we write about? About the pound for pound? You can write about any aspect of boxing you so choose. Oh, yeah, I'll take it. All right, okay. So I want you to get me some, like, 300 words, and I want you to uh, – and I'm going I'm to post your pound for pound list. I want you to – I'm going to find some graphics. I'm going to post your pound for pound list because I'm, I'm, I'm very, very compelled. So I'm gonna I'm gonna post your pound for pound list, and I want you to start writing a column for me like once a month. Oh, it's a great pound for pound list, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna be on there soon. Uh, let me see who. Let's see. So Kovalev was Kovalev number one before the Hopkins fight or since no, the Hopkins no, no. fight? Kovalev is number one because he beat Hopkins. Okay, and Triple G is from. Okay, so Matisse. So I, I, I I'm sorry, I have to ask since you put it out there. How did Matisse make it to number three? Okay, he, he beat Peterson, who's a good fighter. All right, he mm-hmm. beat Zab Judah and Devin Alexander. They didn't give him a decision, but, you know, he won those fights. And uh, he just was in the fight of the year. You know, and, you know, that means more to me than, you know, what Andre Ward's doing sitting out for two years and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and then um, Madonna's in your top five pound-for-pound list after two consecutive losses? He didn't lose the first fight. He did not lose the first fight. And the second fight, you know, Kenny Bayless won that fight. So <laughs> You scored the second fight for Maidana anyways. Tell the truth. I think, yeah, I did. It was 114-130 for Maidana, but it would have been wider. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Just one more question. Who's number six? Um, Chuck Latito. Or, no, Orlando Salido. Orlando Salido would be number six. He just got, like, you know, off the floor three or four times against uh, <laughs> against a guy from Thailand. But he won. Yeah, he won the and, fight, but... And, and okay. he, he beat Lomachenko. Is Lomachenko not that good? He beat Lomachenko. He yeah, beat Wamba, true, too, but that's, that's just your laughs. He did beat Lomachenko. I'll give you that. But, you know, he was also, like, what, two-way classes bigger than Lomachenko? <laughs> Something like that. He's still beating. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay. He 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 beat he beat who was in Teddy Atlas's top five pound for pound after his pro debut, so it must be pretty good. <laughs> uh, Teddy Atlas's pound for pound list, I would like to get too. We got to get him on the show one day. That would probably be epic too. All right. Well, thank you, Stud Hart. I appreciate you hanging in and uh, you talking with us. 
behave yourself, okay? Don't get me any don't Always. get into any trouble. Always. All, All right, right, take care. Thanks. All right, gents. We are Wow. We are under thirty minutes in the show. We've got twenty three minutes remaining. Um we don't need that much time for the weekend wrap up, so we'll get to that in just a second. Let's talk about Amir Mansoor taking off Kathy's head like a damn Pez dispenser. Good night. Okay, so, you know, I know you're very familiar with Amir Mansoor since he's still East based. I know that you and uh, Daryl Cobb went to Media Day. When you guys went to Media no, Day, no, 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 Ryan. No, I went to his Media Day. Daryl Cobb uh, right. was working his nine to five. Uh, so I would take pictures, understand. videos, asking questions. I did it all. I can't work a nine to five, so I'll be gone. Oh, and it is November. Did he predict that he was going to just take that man's head off like that? Was he? I mean, they mentioned in the broadcast that he needed a win by spectacular fashion. He, he got that, but I mean, what was his mindset? At the media day, well, you know he he was you know he's he very distraught following the, the Cunningham loss, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he 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 knew he needed to do something spectacular to to you know just to get eyes on him again because he he's not he wasn't confident he was able to get a rematch with Cunningham, so you know he's just he's just looking to you know get his name out there, and I think after the fight uh, after he got that you know new um, knockout-of-the-year candidate, you know, you, you could hear him um, and his team yelling, uh, HBO, HBO, or, you know, some of them yell Showtime. You know, he's trying to get, you know, get on that premium cable, you know, with, with, with the other elite athletes in the sport, you know, trying to make that coin. Because, you know, let's point. face it, you know, it is it's good, it's getting late in his career. The man is 42 years old. So it's, it's, it's now or, or pretty much never. Okay. It's my hoe. A Fairmontor, this big KO win. He wants to be, you know, among the rankings so he can challenge for the bigger fight. Does this, I mean, it doesn't hurt his cause, obviously. How far away is he from being ranked? Should he be ranked? I mean, we know WBA probably will rank him. But, you know, where does he, this place him in the landscape? I think this is, you know, when we're talking about American heavyweights, I think he made a very, you know, significant statement. Um, even before the KO, you know, he was boxing a really disciplined fight. You know, he was getting touched up a little bit, didn't get out of control, was working the body the whole fight. You know, he really showed off a lot of his uh, underrated skill, I thought. You know, he pressured well, wasn't too reckless, and then he just came up top with that shot, and it was just over with. So, um you know, I would like HBO to take a, a shot on him for his next fight. You know, it's probably going to take another win like that to get that type of attention. But, um, you know, he's definitely on the right path. You know, I really hope he does get a shot. And I can see why he was so frustrated. I don't know if you guys remember, um, I think it was last week, where he called out Shannon Briggs, you know, for just running his mouth and just getting ranked based on that. I think he was really offended by that because, you know, he's been on his grind, you know, trying to get that exposure He's been overlooked in the rankings, and that's not to a fault, so I can understand where he's coming from. I would actually, you know, I know Shannon probably wouldn't take it, but, you know, Briggs-Monsoor fight, I think that would be a good a good fight for TV. Um, if I were Briggs, I wouldn't take it, but um, it would be a good fight to watch as a fan for a couple of rounds, if it's, you know, very least. 
So, you know, I can't. I didn't have the opportunity to see the entire card. It was a very busy weekend for me. Um, you know, Ryan, I'm sure you have watched the entire card. You know, it's fine. I'm sure you watched the entire card too. What did you think of the co-feature fight? I saw the opening broadcast fight, but I didn't see the co-feature. Oh, um, I didn't get to watch that yet because I'm, look, I'm, I'm like, you know. Uh, that that Hopkins Kovalev card really took it out of me because what I went, me and Daryl left for ACA like at around two. Okay, we didn't get back until after four. So man, it was just fourteen hour, you know, <laughs> just, that's just on the road and being at the event. How long? How long does it take to drive from Philly to Atlantic City? Um, it only takes like um an hour to an hour and a half, really. But um, oh. the card started very early, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the, the first fight was at five fifteen, uh, and uh, credential pickup was at four. So you know, and, and we we got there relatively early too. Um, so you know, because you never really know what's going to happen on the road. Might run into traffic. Might you know, might get a flat tire or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, I was in Lang City all day. Got home and I had to write the story, which was incredibly, incredibly long because I had to write about nine different cards. It was faster for Daryl because originally they had Daryl like way, way, way up in the nosebleed section, but he he moved down closer to to the ring um, um, uh, because you know it, it just wasn't filled in at the lower level. So he was he was he was mm-hmm. able to get decent shots for the the, the co-main event and uh, main mm-hmm. event. So that that that's all the pictures he had to worry about uh, at that end of the press conference, whereas I was, you know, taking notes on all nine fights on the card. You know, anytime I go to a card, I, I like to give, um, you know, respect to all the fights, you know, not just the uh-huh. the main fights, which a lot of writers, you know, pretty much just 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 you know recap you know, the bouts that they you know could have saw on TV, um, and you know right. I'm, I'm not like that. If I'm if I'm going to a show. You know, every fight that I saw deserves, you know, attention. Excellent. So I look forward to your recap once you finish those two. Thanks, it was Brian. done. I, I, I submitted that a, a while ago. Not that one. No, I'm not <laughs> talking about that. I'm talking about Amir Mansour. I saw your one from the... Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not... I'm not yeah, no, I'm not doing a, a Mansour recap. Oh. <laughs> I, I didn't go to the car. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, you see, I, I, I tried to be. See how I tried to be slick and ease that in there. Oh, yeah, he was oh, like, nah. <laughs> I, I, I already knew the answer to that. I just tried to be slick and you know, slide that yeah, in there. Yeah, slide. Pause. <sighs> Pause. Okay, uh-huh. wait a minute. Speaking of slide, did my, uh, you know, Ryan? I don't know if you watched the broadcast from home, but for those of us who watched the Hopkins Copeland card from home. Did we really hear Roy Jones Jr. refer to Bernard Hopkins as a slick old coon? Yeah, that that really happened. For, I, for those of you who are listening to the show, never ever ever refer to a black person <laughs> as a coon. That is just a little help that we here at Bad Culture are offering to you, whether you are black or not. 
do not call another African-American, black American, or anyone who has a great deal of melanin in their skin composition a coon. That is unacceptable. Roy, I would just, I mean, I got what he was saying. I just would have preferred a different <laughs> word selection. I just, I wouldn't, man, you know, I'm going to have, I, you know, I, you know, I got to do it. You know, I got to do it. For Roy calling Bernard Hopkins a slick old coon. I like how Jim Lampley wasn't unfazed by it. That that was the best part. Lampley was not, he was, it did not phase him whatsoever. <laughs> no problem. If I was sitting next to him and he said that, you would have heard a, like a little choke up, you know, like when your mama hits you in the back of the head when you're little and you, you catch your breath a little bit. It would have been a pause in the broadcast dialogue, but no. Unacceptable, 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 unacceptable. But I got what you meant, but no, Roy. I, I, I like when Roy make up words. I want, you know, him to, I like when he does that. So, but, you know, still got nothing but love for Roy Jones Jr. He was great when he was on the show. Got to have him back again. I'm going to have to stalk him down and see if he can come back on the ruckus and rock with us again. Maybe, you know, we can try to get him this, uh, maybe after December, after uh, Barbie's fight. What do you guys think of the the addition of Roy Jones Jr. to the to the bar? I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but since you know we're talking about him, what do you think of the addition of him to Vargas's corner? Do you think he's training them just so he can get some more gym time so he can get in and train too, or you know does what? How is this really going to enhance Vargas's fight fight game fight style? I'll, I don't think it really is going to do much for his style. I mean, Roy doesn't really have a track record like that as a competent trainer, but, you know, I think it is going to give Vargas a little bit more attention. So, you know, it will be a win in that regard. But, you know, like style-wise and stuff, I don't really see anything changing with Vargas in that regard. All right. Ryan, your thoughts? Mm. I think Vargas will look a little, you know, a little flashier, you know, trying to emulate Roy in a way. Kind of like Pascal does, you know, just just, just uh, like, you know, out of being a, a fan of, of Roy Jones, like we, we might see him try to incorporate some of Roy's style. But will he fight any better? Nah. There it is. Well, we are now down to the 12-minute mark of the show. Why don't we go ahead and start on – the upcoming fights for this weekend because there are a lot I'm seeing here, starting with yeah. tomorrow. Oh, wait, Anthony Mundine fighting either yeah. to, today. No, is he fighting like three right hours. Yeah, yeah, three so hours I think that card starts. Friend of bad culture, Anthony Mundine, is fighting Sergey Rabchenko in uh, Melbourne. It's They're a day ahead, so like Ryan said, they're going to be fighting about three hours, so uh, that fight will be happening. You know, we don't have to spend too much time talking about that. Why don't we move on to Fox Sports 1? I mean, wait, I mean, wait, 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 okay. wait, wait, wait. Before we get into the upcoming schedule, we I know yep. we don't have time to recap these cards, but let's just say people need to watch the Felix Sturm against um, 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 Stiglitz. Yeah, Robert Stiglitz fight. That was probably the super middleweight fight of the year, and you hmm. want to see it. Let me, also, you know what, um, since you said that. The, yeah, the, the pay-per-view in Poland is also a must-see because everybody got upset. It was awesome. 
<laughs> Adamant got schooled. Proxy got knocked the hell out. It was it was it was a sight to see. Oh, okay. Well, I got you. Uh, thank you, sweet boxing. I'm going to. Oh, I, I, I won't. Yes. Yeah, so go ahead and search those out on uh, YouTube or wherever you get your respective videos from. Shout out to Simbo, uh, Simbro. You know, wherever you get your fights from, those are the fights you need to see. A card full of upsets. We like those. So check it out. Anything else you'd care to add to that, Ryan, before we start the no, week? No, we, can, we can do the what's going on this week now. All right. Well, here's what's happening around the ring. Starting, you know, as we said, Anthony Mundine is going to be fighting in a few hours. He's going to get that Mayweather fight. He's going to fight Sergey Rabchenko at junior middleweight. So if you're in Melbourne or have access to this fight, fine, you know, check it out. Okay. I'm rooting for Mundine. I am I am rooting for Mundine. We are Team Mundine. But, however, at junior middleweight, 154 pounds, he gets knocked out by Sergey Rebchenko. Why are his people trolling you? I, did I see that his people been trolling you? Yeah, yeah. And it, it wasn't because I said anything bad out of it. I just said I'm supporting him. And uh, they just started trolling me, and then he joined in too. Like, he retweeted their trolls. It was weird. Um. I mean, I don't think he's going to win the fight, but, I mean, I've always been supportive. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right, I'll I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay, Thursday, November 13th, previous guest of uh, the Ruckus, Jojo Diaz, will be fighting on Fox Sports 1 as part of the Golden Boy Live card. He'll be fighting against Roberto Casaneda. Uh, Also on the card, Julian Ramirez versus Pedro Melo, Diego De La Hoya versus Ali Gonzalez, and big, giant, giant Chinese heavyweight Tayshon Dong will be fighting against Tommy Washington and also uh, uh, prospect Roy Tapia. I went to the media day this past Tuesday at the Ponce de Leon gym here at Montebello. Uh, Jojo Diaz, I fully expect to pull the win out pretty easily, but I was just in absolute awe of Tayshon Dong. That man is enormous. I'd like to see him fight like a Tyson Fury or somebody who's just equally as big as him. He is huge. If you want to see pictures of him and all his hugeness, go to badculture.net. I took pictures from the media day, and, I mean, I'm not a midget. I'm not the tallest woman in the world, but I'm not, you know, no disrespect to the smaller people in the world, but I'm just, you know, I'm average height. And that man, I just felt like I would have been like gum underneath his shoe if he lifted his foot up because he is enormous. And yeah. I'm just intrigued to see him fight just on that. I'm, I'm not. I mean, honestly, the seven-foot-tall men have not got it done in boxing. The greatest seven-footer of all time. Chinese. The greatest seven-footer of all time was Nikolai Valuev, okay? And he was but not, you know, he was not thrilling, you know, fans, okay? So I just, his ceiling just can't be that high. Because at a certain size, you know, fighters are just, too no uh, lumber, yeah. The 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 too lumbering, you know. They they right. The the coordination isn't there, and they just can't you know execute properly. You know, boxing is a a a sweet science, and the science of it kind of goes out the window for them because it just can't move fast enough. Hmm. He just pissed all in my Cheerios. I want to see him fight. So anyway, well, if that's they what give him like fun. the David Rodriguez type of schedule, he'll be fine. <laughs> it's true. It's true. This is true. 
You do that for like 10 years, then you might get a gold mine. Man, please. After they see it, a few more fight, Bob Aaron goes stealing. Me going to be fighting in Macau. <laughs> Yeah, that that probably is where he should be fighting, to be honest. He probably mm, should yeah. on, on that South Shaming undercard. <laughs> Hell yeah. Bob Aram, if you're listening, you probably not, but if you were, you better go get him. <laughs> so anyway, you know, we gotta we gotta move it on. Uh fighting also this weekend, let's see, these fights are number oh, Ava Knight's fighting this weekend. Uh November thirteenth. She's gonna be fighting in Washington D C against Guadalupe Martinez. They are fighting as a co-featured fight to a WBC Junior Bantamweight title fight between Carlos Quadras and Marvin Mabayat. They'll be fighting in D.C., and uh, Ava Knight will be fighting on the as a co-featured event. That's pretty dope. I like Ava Knight. I hope she wins. I hope she gets some more shine. So that's what's happening in D.C. Uh, let's see. On the 14th, BN Sports. Sammy Vasquez is fighting Alberto Mosquera, non-title fight, but Monty Meza Clay is fighting Rod Salka. That is the co-featured yeah, fight. So for all you Salka fans, that's a good fight. That's the return fight. of Rod Salka. Everybody rejoice. No, but seriously, it, it is a good fight. It is a decent fight. You know, people. I know people rode Danny Garcia for fighting Rod Salka, but Danny is just you know that good of a fighter. And Salka is, Salka is not a bum. Uh, Monty Mesa Clay is, is only just coming up in the world. So th- this is a this is a good matchmaking. All right. Uh, let's see. Also happening. Let's move on to because none of these other fights. Oh, Ismail, you're fighting this weekend. Oh no, that's not you. This is Ismail <laughs> Abdul. You're not fighting it much the other weekend. Brandon <laughs> Brandon wouldn't make weight. This is a cruiserweight fight. <laughs> four round, four rounded. <laughs> All right. So happening November fifteenth. Let's go, champ. Vladimir Klitschko is. Oh wait, 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 wait! Before Pula. before we get to that, the, on Friday uh, there's a card I'm going to at Harris Philadelphia. Joey DeWaco versus Rayford Johnson. I'll be at that card. Oh. Yeah, oh, okay. Daryl will be there, and uh, you can also watch it on internet on um, GFL TV. Oh, cool. So yeah. Oh, and speaking of Mansoor earlier, you know, um, uh, Waco's management um, is, is trying to set up a fight between him and Mansoor. So that that, really? that that's intriguing for Philadelphia. That that's a fight that a lot of people in Philly would like to see. And there it is. We look forward to your update on BadCulture.net. So, with that, let's go, champ. Let's go, champ. Whatever you eat, I eat. Wherever you go, I go. So I expect to see Shannon Briggs ringside Hamburg, Germany, with a stein of beer, watching Vladimir Klitschko fight Kubrat Pulev, 12 rounds for all the titles that they let him have. So uh, let's see, what's the co-feature? I'm not familiar there, with well, any. There, there, is, there is no co-feature. co-feature. Look, this, this card is an absolute disgrace for the level of main event <laughs> that there is. Let's, wow. I, I got This is the top two heavyweights in the world fighting. Okay, it it is a very respectable fight. HBO picked it up; they should have picked it up. Um, it's probably shown all over the world. Um, and nobody is fighting Orford Dam on the undercard. It is it's, it's very depressing. Um, but you know, it it, it, it comes it comes with the territory, in, in the words of Floyd Mayweather in Germany. Okay, because they they really get all that money. 
They really disrespect undercars over in Germany. They they would rather spend the money on light shows and, you know, women doing a- a- acrobatics and, you know, maybe Roy Jones coming and rapping to the ring, some crazy shit like that. Um, that's that that's what, you know, floats people's boats over in Europe for whatever reason. They don't they don't think that the money should go to the undercar fighters. Wow. Ryan, you getting disrespected by Dan Raphael on Twitter? <laughs> that guy wow. just can't. I mean, he's he's polite to me when I see him in person, but you know, he he can't spell my name on on the internet at all. Clearly, like, I think he's no, he's failed to spell it on multiple occasions. He, I think he does it on purpose. Dan Raphael, you heard it here. No, it's, it's, it's been happening. Like it's been happening it. a lot lately. Like. I mean, I know my name is spelled literally in my Twitter handle. It is my full name, Ryan Bivens, B-I-V-I-N-S. But for whatever reason, a lot of people spell it B-I-V-E-N-S. They they just can't seem to see properly. But, uh, you know, well, can whatever, we? whatever. It, it happens in, in my everyday life, too. Matter of fact, <laughs> my uh, when I when I graduated from college with um, – uh, I, I I was part of an honor society for for electrical engineering, um, Ada Kappa Nu, and my 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 certificate they spelled my name wrong. I had it sent back for them to you know give it to me again, and they spelled it wrong again. So you know people spelling my name wrong is nothing new for me. Well, if if any if you are fans of the Ruckus and fans of Ryan Bivens, could you please tweet Dan Raphael the proper spelling of Ryan's name so we can get this together. You know, I I imagine a journalist could spell someone's name properly when that's their line of work is to properly report the spellings of people's names. But you know, that's just. We got blamed, Robin Givens. That's probably why they're getting it mixed up. Never ever be lumped in the same category with Robin Givens. <laughs> I don't know. You never ever want to be in that same conversation. But you know, we're running out of time. We're under ninety seconds, like we said. Klitschko pull up. On HBO, also HBO Latino, on HBO Latino, Gilberto Ramirez versus Falgencio Zuniga. Uh, on BN Sports, Donnie Nietes versus Carlos Velarde for Nietes' WBO Junior Flyweight title. On Ironboy.com, Victor Castro versus Robert Rodriguez. On Fox Deportes, Christian Mahars versus Lester Madrano. It's a lot of fight. Wow, Matthew Macklin's fighting this weekend. There's another WBA interim cruiserweight title. Do you recognize the WBA? Uh, Yuri no. Kalinga's fighting Denton Daly. There are a lot of fights. No matter where you are in the world, if you are looking for some boxing this weekend, you can find it. We have 20 seconds left. Gentlemen, last thoughts. 16 seconds left. Ismail. Twitter is who you want us to have on the show next week. Good idea. Ryan Bivens. Um, I have my first page barring tomorrow, so that's neat. Cool. All right, and we're out.